Part four of The Grey Mills of Farley by Sarah Orne Jewett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. It would have been difficult for an outsider to understand the sudden plunge from decent comfort to actual poverty in this small mill town. Strange to say, it was upon the smaller families that the strain fell the worst of in Farley, and upon men and women who had nobody to look to but themselves. Where a man had a large household of children, and several of these were old enough to be at work, and to put aside their wages or pay for their board, where such a man was of a thrifty and saving turn, and a ruler of his household, like old James Dow in the cloth hall, he might feel sure of a comfortable board and be fearless on a rainy day. But with a young man who worked single-handed for his wife and little flock, or one who had an invalid to work for, that heaviest of burdens to the poor, the door seemed to be shut and barred against prosperity, and life became a test of one's power of endurance. The agent went home late that noon from the counting-room. The street was nearly empty, but he had no friendly look or word for anyone whom he passed. Those who knew him well only pitied him, but it seemed to the tired man as if every eye must look at him with reproach. The long mill buildings of grey stone, with their rows of deep-set windows, wore a repellent look of strength and solidity. More than one man felt bitterly his own personal weakness as he turned to look at them. The ocean of fate seemed to be dashing him against their grey walls. What use was it to fight against the corporation? Two great forces were in opposition now, and happiness could come only from their serving each other in harmony. The stronger force of capital had withdrawn from the League. The weaker one, labor, was turned into an utter helplessness of idleness. There was nothing to be done. You cannot rebel against a shutdown. You can only submit. A week later, the great wheel stopped early on the last day of work. Almost everyone left his special charge of machinery in good order, oiled and cleaned and slackened with a kind of affectionate lingering care, for one person loves his machine as another loves his horse. Even little Maggie pushed her bobbin box into a safe place near the overseer's desk and tipped it up and dusted it out with a handful of waste. At the foot of the long winding stairs, Mrs. Kilpatrick was putting away her broom, and she sighed as she locked the closet door. She had known hard times before. "'They'll be wanting me with odd jobs. We'll be after getting along some way,' she said with satisfaction. "'March is a long month, so it is. There'll be plenty time for change before the end of it.' said Mary Cassidy, hopefully. The agent will be thinking whatever can he do. Sure, he's very ingenious. Look at him how well he persuaded the directors to live off with making cotton cloth like everybody else and catch a chance with all these new linings and things. He's done very well, too. There bees no sense in a shutdown anyway. The looms and cards all suffers and the bands all slacks if they don't get stiff. I'd sooner pay folks to tend their work whatever it cost tis true for you agreed mrs kilpatrick what'll ye do with the child now she's no chance of pay any more asked mary relentlessly and poor maggie's eyes grew dark with fright as the conversation abruptly pointed her way she sometimes 
waked up in misery in mrs kilpatrick's warm bed crying for fear that she was going to be sent back to the poorhouse maggie and me's going to cape together a while yet said the good old woman fondly she's very handy for me so she is we ought part without each other whatever befalls so we ought and maggie looked up with a wistful smile only half reassured to her the shutdown seemed like the end of the world some of the french people took time by the forelock and boarded the midnight train that very saturday with all their possessions a little later two or three families departed by the same train under cover of the darkness between two days without stopping to pay even their house rent these mysterious flittings like that of the famous tartar tribe roused a suspicion against their fellow countrymen but after a succession of such departures almost everybody else thought it far cheaper to stay among friends it seemed as if at any moment the great mill wheels might begin to turn and the bell begin to ring but day after day the little town was still and the bell tolled the hours one after another as if it were sunday the mild spring weather came on and the women sat mending or knitting on the doorsteps more people moved away there were but few men and girls left now in the quiet boarding-houses and the spare tables were stacked one upon another at the end of the rooms when planting time came word was passed about the corporation that the agent was going to portion out a field that belonged to him a little way out of town on the south road and let every man who had a family take a good-sized piece to plant he also offered seed potatoes and garden seeds free to anyone who would come and ask for them at his house the poor are very generous to each other as a rule and there was much borrowing and lending from house to house and it was wonderful how long the people seemed to continue their usual fashions of life without distress almost everybody had saved a little bit of money and some had saved more if one could no longer buy beefsteak he could still buy flour and potatoes and a bit of pork lent a pleasing flavor to content an idle man who had nothing to do but to stroll about town End of Part 4